0: It's my pleasure to welcome back the Attorney General of the State of Connecticut, William Tong, joins us this morning. Mr. Tong, good morning. You're in Bridgeport. What's happening in Bridgeport today?
1: Good morning, Wayne. I'm passing through on my way up to the office, but I can feel your aura because you have spent some time at Bridgeport when you were a kid.
0: I did. Summer of 67, I was a substitute mailman and worked out all over the city of Bridgeport for my days living in Trumbull, Connecticut. All right, so we haven't talked about this when you were a teenager, what were some of the jobs you had before getting into this field of law? Oh, you know, I spent almost all of my time working in my parents' Chinese
1: restaurant uh, in Weathersfield, Connecticut. So, uh, to this day, uh, I think if you gave me an hour just to just to refamiliarize myself, I could cook almost anything on a standard Chinese restaurant menu.
0: Well, what did you have for dinner back on, I think it was Saturday, when you were in New Haven, getting an early start to the Chinese Year of the Dragon? Uh, So it was Friday, um, but we
1: were at the Taste of China, which is a great place on the green in New Haven. They have a place in uh, Clinton or Westbrook as well. And um, actually, I was talking to so many people, I didn't eat much, but they they had a few of my favorites, Kung Pao chicken, everybody loves good Kung Pao chicken and some some dumplings, some spicy dumplings. It was great. But uh, February 10th is when I'll be with my family and and uh, my parents and my sisters and my kids and my wife, and we're going to celebrate the Year
0: of the Dragon. Excellent. All right, getting back to business here. Uh, you announced a $350 million settlement with the multinational marketing firm over its role in the opioid epidemic. Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, This is one of the biggest Ad firms in the world, one of the biggest advertising uh, conglomerates. They're based in France, actually, and they do work all over the world. And they advise Purdue Pharma on not just their advertising, but their marketing and how to how to better and more effectively push pills, and, and specifically OxyContin, which is why I went after them so hard with my fellow attorneys general. Uh, originally, they they threw pennies on the table um, to try to settle this case. I I led the group that said, no, again, we pushed them really hard, and uh, they're going to pay $350 million.
0: And where does that money go? How is it used?
1: So that'll go uh, mostly to treatment and prevention in Connecticut. I can't speak to other states, but we have an opioid settlement advisory committee that is comprised of uh, municipal leaders, public health professionals, and uh, people in state government, and they decide where the money
0: goes. Also on Thursday, you released a report on the Connecticut Data Privacy Act. How does that impact citizens in Connecticut?
1: Yeah, so this is a, um, a big issue for all of us in, in that um, every day, all of us, um, we probably give up too much information than we should on the Internet, and our information is regularly bought and sold and used to target us to sell products, um, sometimes sometimes. Uh, for nefarious purposes like like scams and other illicit activity. Uh, but obviously, data privacy is really important to us. And the federal government has not done a good job of protecting our personal data. And it's been slow, frankly, in America as compared to other places. And so we're trying to catch up. And Connecticut is one of the few states now uh, to pass a Comprehensive Data Privacy Act That basically says we own our personal information. We can tell companies to delete it. We can ask companies what kind of information they've collected from us. Um, We can opt out of uh, companies collecting information or targeting us with marketing. And so this gives us a whole new slew of rights that we didn't have before.
0: Also last week, you joined a coalition supporting fair wages for federal contract workers. Give me the background on that case.
1: Yeah, this is pretty basic. Um, you know, it seems to me that we have a minimum wage in Connecticut, that if you work for the federal government, you should get a minimum wage too. Texas uh, has sued uh, President Biden and the administration, saying that um, the federal government shouldn't pay minimum wage. I don't, I don't see what business that is of Texas as a state, what the federal government does. So but unfortunately, you know, my colleague uh Ken Paxton in Texas who was nearly impeached frankly, um he he and his governor uh Greg Abbott just seemed to want to pick a uh, pick a fight with uh the administration and president Biden every single day for many times no good reason and this is just another one of them.
0: And a big story a couple weeks ago around here was uh, you were involved in suing 28 chemical manufacturers for knowingly contaminating Connecticut water and natural resources and harming public health with those toxic PFAS forever chemicals, saying the company knew decades ago that PFAS chemicals cause significant harm to human health. So uh, tell me more about what, how, where that case stands right now and what you hope to get as an outcome.
1: This is really alarming to many people, including me. And so, just by way of review, PFOS, PFAS, P-F-A-S um, are basically forever chemicals. Or you and I might know them as Teflon or industrial Teflon. And so, PFOS is on, you know, uh, is on everything. Frankly, Scotch Guard, non state pots and pans, shampoo. Um, it's in everything uh, and not only is it ubiquitous it uh, lasts in our environment forever the half-life of PFAS is very long and it's been shown over the past half decade or more that um, it's toxic to human beings and the animals and very damaging to the environment one of the areas in which PFAS is is regularly used is in firefighting foam so firefighters uh, use foam to put out highly combustible, flammable, volatile fires, you know, when when water won't be as effective, uh, frankly, as foam. And, and, and it, it's used and then it dischar- it's, it's discharged into our waterways and, you know, leaches into our drinking water. And what's most disconcerting is that companies like 3M and DuPont knew early on uh, going back decades, that this was dangerous and that it wouldn't go away easily and that it posed a public health and environmental hazard. And they, like, like the big oil companies did, uh, with gasoline and fossil fuels, they covered it up and they lied to us. And what's, what's hard to stomach is that the companies that, that did this polluting, they're the ones that developed the science. They're the ones that knew it was a problem and they still sold it to us anyway.
0: So where does that stand now? Can firefighters, for example, still use PFAS? Or are there new regulations about that that weren't in place for the last 10, 20 years? So at
1: the state level, it has been banned. However, it is still being used by um, the U.S. military, by um, airports when they're federally regulated. So the federal government still uses it. Um, and it's still it's still obviously in use in many places in our everyday lives, like like our pots and pans and Scotch Guard and waterproofing and Gore Tex. So um, it's something that that um, we're trying to move away from and transition away from. But yeah, it's still out there in, in a big
0: way. Wasn't that also an issue for that World War Two B seventeen that crashed at Bradley? Wasn't, wasn't they using PFAS to clean that up?
1: They were using firefighting foam containing PFAS, and because of that, uh, there were discharges from that very difficult and ugly and dangerous fire. Uh, and, and here's the thing: I'm not saying it doesn't work. Nobody's saying that it does work. But after you're done putting out the fire, um, it stays around with us forever. And it ends up in our drinking water, and our groundwater, and that's
0: not safe. All right, here's something I don't think I've ever talked about on the air. But in the 60s, I smoked. I quit cold turkey in 1970 and haven't touched a butt since that time. And what I smoked was menthol cigarettes. I think they were Salem's at that point in time. It sounds to me like through one of your actions, that might be hard to get menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars, which I didn't touch, down the road. Well, we'd like to see them outlawed in,
1: um, you know, menthol, Salem, Cool, whatever it is. The point of menthol is to make uh, is to make smoking more pleasant, and and basically to encourage people to smoke and get them addicted and hooked on smoking. Um, younger people that are listening, Wayne, don't know like you and I do that. Not long ago, everybody smoked and everybody smoked everywhere. And you could smoke on planes. You could smoke in restaurants. Uh, and 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 that, frankly, was true for for a very long until, in relative terms, very recent. Um, and and the way that the the smoking and tobacco industry got people hooked was with flavors. And we're seeing it again with Vape and Juul and other vaping manufacturers. They use flavors to get kids hooked. And again, and also, I should note, a lot of this is about getting young people hooked and getting them smoking. And so that's why I want to see uh, flavors banned. Ultimately, we're trying to move away from smoking. Smoking's been cut in half um, since Attorney General Blumenthal brokered the big tobacco settlement over 20 years ago.
0: Have other states successfully had this ban go into effect on menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars?
1: Yes, but I don't have a a roster of who they are. But yes, we would not be the first.
0: Mid-January, you released a formal opinion regarding ranked choice voting. And I'd be willing to bet that over half of the people in Connecticut do not understand the concept of ranked choice voting. Explain that and what your opinion of it is.
1: So um, ranked choice voting, simply put, is a new way of voting. Uh, for us at least, other places use it, but it's a new way of voting by which you rank your preferences, first choice, second choice. And uh, the point is that you use those preferences to get to a majority, more than 50%. In Connecticut, uh, you don't need a majority to win the election. You need a plurality. What does that mean? That means... Um, that if you get more than the other candidates, you win. So you can win an election with 45%, 40% of the vote, say in a three-way race with other candidates. um, You can still win if you have uh, a plurality. And in Connecticut, um, that's ensconced in the Constitution. What ranked choice voting says is we're going to rank our preferences. And if choice number one, uh, for many people, doesn't get uh, more than 50%, then you go to choice number two. And um, if you add up choice number two and all the votes that they get, plus all the votes that got uh, votes in the first round and choice number one, and if somebody gets 50%, then they win. If that doesn't work, then you go to choice number three. And so um, you keep going until one candidate gets more than fifty.
0: Best description I've ever heard of ranked choice voting. Early in January, you commented about Vision Solar's bankruptcy filing. I do not know if we have people locally here that got solar panels through Vision Solar, but uh, what's the status of that case?
1: Oh, we do. Unfortunately, Vision Solar was one of the really bad actors. Also another company called Solar Wolf where they knocked on people's doors they got them to sign documents they didn't understand they sold them solar panels they couldn't afford they forged financial documents um, and contracts where um, people had not agreed to to buy solar but uh, these companies forged them or encouraged people to sign documents that they didn't know they were signing or understand people that were older um, and, and maybe for some reason or another were compromised in their ability to understand what they were signing. And this this is really galling. They got people who they knew and understood were disabled and maybe intellectually disabled to sign documents buying solar and solar services and installations they could not uh, afford. And so we went after Vision Solar really hard. They ran into bankruptcy court to protect themselves. We we're going to run in after them.
0: Hold them accountable and you've also warned potential about a potential government imposter scam targeting Connecticut businesses. What things should Connecticut businesses be looking out for when it comes to these scams?
1: Yeah, always be very careful if you get something in the mail, you know all of us get these semi official looking uh letters from scammers. sometimes they send them to you in that. Those envelopes that you have to fold over the sides, you know, and rip off the sides to open them, it feels like a, a tax bill or something. But nowadays, a lot of those are scams. and They say you have to pay money to the government. And there's a lot of different versions of the scam. The one that we see a lot of is, is telling you you've got to pay money uh, in order to access documents from the Secretary of the State that are otherwise free. Or that you've got to pay money in order to register your business to, um, to a company that's not the government, and that's wrong, too. So a lot of different versions of this for basically getting you to pay money when you don't have to or getting you to pay money for services that are free.
0: And Attorney General Tong, I I know your position on gun control, we've talked about that many times in the past, but you've also joined a multi-state coalition to stop the sales of military-grade ammunition that has been used in mass shootings. Tell me about that case.
1: Yeah, this is an ammunition maker that's a military contractor um, and um, that really should be focused on selling for military law enforcement purposes. Uh, but their ammunition has been found to be the uh, most frequently used and preferred choice um, of of people who engage in mass shootings. And so what we're saying is that this contractor, this manufacturer is doing a terrible job of regulating and controlling their ammunition, that they should be held accountable.
0: Attorney General, I wish you a very happy year of the dragon as the Chinese New Year comes up. And for the folks who will be celebrating Chinese New Year what would you recommend that they do or eat to celebrate Chinese New Year? Maybe some idea that they hadn't thought of before.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, during the New Year, you really should eat some dumplings. Um, that's a common, uh, you know, food that families share. You should eat. You should eat noodles that have. You should eat long noodles for long life. Uh, what what Chinese families and Asian families often do is they sit around what's known as a Chinese hot pot, and they'll eat, um, you know, so you sort of cook yourself in a boiling soup. And there are, nowadays, Wayne, there's a bunch of hot pot restaurants around the state. So go find your nearest hot pot, sit down with your family, and enjoy a communal meal.
0: So where else do you get these kind of recommendations for Chinese New Year then? The Connecticut Attorney General, William Tong. William, great to have you on. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Wayne. Happy New Year. You bet. 14 WILI Willimatic and 95.3 FM.